Insight. Welcome in, welcome in to the ARBT podcast, your one-stop shop for everything basketball. I'm your host, Kyle Schulte, and with me as always is my cousin, Noah. How are you today, Noah? Great, Kyle. How are you doing? Pretty good. Pretty good. Two weeks since our last episode. This is episode seven, right? Yeah. It's been a while. First round concluded since the last time we talked, and then... Second round is pretty much over for the one seeds, um, taking care of business. The Cavs, Steamroll, the Raptors, and then the Warriors. Squeaking past the Jazz in Game 3, but overall just dominating the series. Yeah. Pretty much like we expected. Yeah. Um, The two other series are going to be a little bit more intriguing. Uh, Tony Parker goes down for the Spurs, so that'll make that one a little more close than I think I thought it would be. Um, Yeah. DeJounte Murray getting getting yeah, to start, classic pop move. I, I think he actually for this series, um, DeJounte Murray is a better fit than Tony Parker. Because, I mean, what? Murray's a – okay, listen listen to my logic here. So Murray is – he's a rookie and he has got a lot of time, but he's still really – he's still really long, really athletic, and he can lock down the defense better than Parker. And I think he's just like – I think we saw it last year too when the uh, San Antonio got exposed by the Thunder because they were just like – uh, the Thunder were so athletic and so long, and I think that Murray gives a, gives San Antonio at least a better chance at stopping the barrage than Tony than the shell of Tony Parker. <laughs> I, okay, Murray could be a better defender, but Murray, I don't, yeah, I don't think he gives them a better chance to to win. I don't think he gives them better. It, it's you not said, like he gives them like a, it's not like a substantially better chance, but I think he just gives them more weapons. He gives them more athleticism, which is what they really need. I mean. They have some guys, Jonathan Simmons, and, but they really like don't have a lot of balance. They don't really have a lot of other balance of at length and athleticism outside of Kawhi. Do you think it's smart that they decided to start Dejounte and keep Patty coming off the bench? No, no, Murray's not well, ready to start. But I mean, Pat- you understand the logic because it really throws a player off when someone is coming off the bench for an entire year and then you ask them to start, that would throw off their rhythm. And that's, that's the reason Pop started DeJounte. Because Murray didn't play much at all during the regular season. No, he didn't play at all. But um, And he didn't play much in the playoff game. Yeah. He had like 10 minutes in the first half. Yeah. I'm not sure how much in the second half. but I, I get Pop's logic, but um, I think Patty's just a better fit. Like he's a, he can shoot, he get, he tries on defense, he can, he can function as like a, like top, like a top 20 point guard. If he wants to, and I think that's what they really, really need, because Mur- Murray's good, but he's not there yet. I think that I don't know if Pop's gonna try to groom him for the future, but he's just like not at that level yet. Would you consider Patty one of the best shooters in the league? It yeah. seems uh, maybe in the playoffs, but yeah. just in the playoffs. But he's every the, time I watch him, he makes every open three. He's but he's really consistent. His pr- th- uh, three point percentage, his whole career has been right around forty. He's really he's. He has really good mechanics. He can get it off in a hurry. He's real. I really like him as a shooter. I think he's a really good fit. He'll probably stay around for a long time because of it. You know, um, watching the Spurs, the frustrating thing for me has been Lamarcus Aldridge. Ugh. I hate the way he's he's transformed his game. He was so dominant in the post in Portland, and now he's just become pretty much strictly a pick and pop jump shooter from twenty five feet. It's he yeah. was so good in the post. He no one can guard him when he's in the post. I, I, yeah, I think it just might. It might be like his quickness is waning, is like starting to wane more. But his game was never really built on that. 
I'm not really sure like why he's been doing this or like what's been going on. Maybe it's just like trying to still trying to adjust to the Spurs system because I don't think that they've never really had to integrate a big time free agent like him before. And I think it's a little bit on both sides like they don't really know how this should work because they brought him in to be a score the second scorer behind Kawhi, and he he's shown flashes like in last year's playoffs against the Thunder. He had like 38 points, like 40 points, but he's just been so up and down, and his play has been so inconsistent that I think. They, there's a lot of tension there because I don't think they, he knows how to. They, I don't think he knows how he wants them. He wants to play in that system. And I don't think they know how they want him to play in that system. Yeah, uh, I don't know. He he's good when he's good, and then when he doesn't hit his jump shot, it's pretty. Ugh. Yeah, it's uh, ugly. The Spurs, the last couple of seasons, um, <laughs> they have like a couple of games every playoffs where you watch them and you're like, wow, this is the end because they look so old, they can't guard anyone outside of Kawhi. But then they come, always come back the next game, the next few games, and they look like they're, they're still relevant and they're still going to be able to compete for the title. Yeah, and I think that just has to do with like how, how reliant they are on those older guys and guys who probably don't have it, have it as much as they did before. And I think that that also has to do with like who they bring in as their new prospects like Davis Bertans and Jonathan Simmons and DeJounte Murray. I think that they like rely, they rely on guys who are innately inconsistent. And I think that without Manu being who he was and without Parker and even without Duncan, I think they stood like they, they're, they're just, I think they're about to enter a rebuilding phase, but it's going to be, there's going to be like a 50 win team. I think they're just going to have to retool and kind of get rid of all the old guys. This is Manu's last year, right? I mean, it has to be. I think so. He's not. He's not useful anymore. He's done. He's just a spot up shooter, but he's not good enough in that role to really warrant yeah. staying on the team, getting big minutes. Um, um, talk about Houston for a minute. Um, to me, the biggest story is Harden looks like he's hurt. I mean, yeah, you watch Harden; he does. the leg is bothering him for sure. Yeah, and he's been. He he also had a nagging wrist injury at the end of the season. Yeah, that, but I, I think the leg the is. The, I think the, the leg is definitely getting to him. He's. Think, not exploding off the pick and roll like he normally is, and he's passing when he's at the top of the key. Yeah. Instead of attacking the rim. I, th- I think that's just being exasper- exacerbated too by Eric Gordon, who's been terrible in this series. Uh, Lou Williams, he started out in the playoffs really well, but then yeah. he reverted back to himself when he's in the playoffs. He had a bad he's game three. Unplayable. Yeah. And um, well, he's not unplayable. Well, in the playoffs, he's just he he's a t- totally different player because he doesn't get the calls he needs, and he just. He I like Lou. I like him, but he's more of a regular season player. It's just player. he's a microwave guy, so when he's good, he's good, and when, when he's, he's bad, bad, he's terrible. <laughs> and get, get him out. <laughs> and I think um, Dan, like this is part of the problem with Dan Tony's system, where it relies so much on one guy that if that one guy is having problems or is having some health concerns, then they're they're pretty much done, and it's really difficult for them to kind of get into that pick and roll offense where they can have, uh, where they can really like do well. I think that's part of the. I think that's what what's also going on with the Rockets. So, do you like the Spurs to win the series? Um, last la, watching the last couple games, I do. But the Houston is always prone to go on those like twelve to nothing streaks in games where it's like where they're down by t- down by like fifteen, but they can get up to down by three in like ninety seconds, which is super dangerous. But also, like if they don't, if they're not hitting their shots, and they're terrible because they rely so much on that three. If Houston wins, it's going to be solely because of Harden. So yeah. if he starts to play well, they have a chance for sure, um, especially with Parker out. 
But, I mean, Fisdale said it best in post-game after they were eliminated. Kawhi is just exceptionally good at basketball. He's, he's so good. He's so good. Uh, he's from and, another planet. And, sure. uh, and back to the Spurs thing a little bit. I just had thinking about Ryan Anderson on the Rockets. I'm watching the game, and I'm seeing Ryan Anderson blow by guys on the Spurs, which is, and Ryan Anderson's not really the type to blow by anyone. <laughs> and that's not really a good sign when you, I mean, he's not converting at the basket because that's not what he does, but he... Well, he doesn't blow by people either. Yeah, he doesn't blow by people, and it just speaks to how old San Antonio is when they're, when Pau Gasol is getting blown by, like, when Pau Gasol is just getting destroyed by Ryan Anderson. And that's not really something you can sustain for a whole playoff series and still expect to win. It's true. So um, I'll probably take the Spurs. Um, I hope it goes seven, though. I mean, that'd be a fun seven. Has there has there been a game seven yet this year? Yeah, uh, L.A. L.A. Oh, Clippers and Jazz. Yeah, but that, but that was, was disappointing. Game seven. I forgot about that ten minutes into it because it was such a blowout. Let's yeah. talk about, I want to talk about the Clippers for a sec. There's been we'll talk about Chris Stapps a lot later too, but I mentioned Chris Stapps because there's rumors he like wants to go to the Clippers. He tweeted something out last night. LA Clippers. Um, we'll spend a lot of time talking about Chris Stapps later, but specifically talking about the Clippers. Um, my view on their whole team situation is blow the whole thing up. Um, oh, okay, here's something. Here's something I've been t- I tweeted about blowing it up with the Clippers is. It's they they don't really get to choose if they blow it up or how they blow it up because uh, CP3, JJ, and Blake Griffin are all off the books this summer, and if they w- if they want to come back, they can de- then it's going to cause a lot of problems because they they'll have a tough decision to re-sign those guys and continue with this core that's been pretty terrible and hasn't really been it's not been terrible but they haven't been able to make it where they want to go or they can rebuild but they have no prospects they have no they have no picks they have nothing to really I think do it they have to re-sign chris paul because without chris paul they have deandre jordan who becomes jo- kind of useless yeah. without a great point guard like chris paul yeah. deandre is the only thing like he needs a point guard yeah. defensively he's okay chris paul's the perfect point yeah. guard for him so if they lose him if they lose him then dj becomes useless um blake griffin's the big the big thing for me because blake griffin really he's not he lost, he lost a lot of that athleticism that made him special, and it, he's definitely been, like, sapped to that. You can see him trying to be a skill guy, but he, his skills really aren't at that level yet. And he's been shooting the – he's been shooting threes. He was shooting threes better before the season ended. But it's just, like, the inner injury concerns, and the big question is, do you, offer him a, do you offer him the max? And I don't know if I would. If I was a GM of a team, I don't know if I would offer him the max with his Is he mentally, uh, like, all there, do you think? No. I don't think he was there. Mature is the word I guess I was looking Mature? for. I, I, I don't know. He's really introverted, and he he really doesn't talk a lot. Apparently not when he's punching security guards. Yeah, that's a big thing. thing. I, I don't know if I, everyone kind of forgot that he did that, but that was not really a good look for him, especially coming into the last years of his contract. Combine that with... The injury concerns. And he most of his game is dependent on his athleticism. Yeah. If he's deteriorating I don't know I'd, I wouldn't mind him on like the Nuggets but I, I wouldn't give him a max contract for he, sure I, I wouldn't like yeah he I wouldn't give him the max I would bring him back for maybe 20 million although I guess he wouldn't fit with Yoke I mean they're the same would need, need the ball in his hand just he like Jokic needs the but ball in his hand I think that if he I think there's still parts of his game that really haven't been fully transformed or like fully haven't come to fruition with the Clippers 
because with CP3 handling so much of the ball handling duties and the playmaking, I think that that's been one aspect of Blake Griffin's game that like no one's really seen is how good of a playmaker he really is because his assist numbers are great for a big man, especially when playing in that Chris Paul system. And he, he, his jumper is has it's better. crazy. It's better. It has a terrible hitch where he shoots it basically when he's on the ground. Just like Emmanuel Moody. Just like Moody. <laughs> and he was shooting better from three, and I think if that three ball comes and he finally realizes his playmaking potential, then he's worth the max. But that's a big if, especially coupled with the injury concerns. Follow, he could follow a similar path to some of the other big men, um, you know, like Pau Gasol, for example. who Boris Diaw. Yeah, they they become more playmakers and more jump shooters from three and less rely yeah. on their athleticism. I think that's his thing because he his athleticism is gone and his game was mostly built around that ability, but built on his otherworldly athletic ability. I think it, we're seeing that without that athletic ability, he's really kind of done. Is Doc Rivers the most overrated coach in the league? Yeah. Yeah, I he's not. So. He's not really great, and I don't know why they let him be a president and coach, because he's done a ch- terrible job as president, trading away all their future picks for Lance Stevenson's, the Lance Stevenson's, and Josh Smiths of the world. Outside of, I mean, not even Pop, I guess. Is has someone a coach who's been the president and the coach really ever worked out? No, I, I don't see how no, that's a good not, idea it's at not all. Good because it's two two separate philosophies. When you're the president and the GM, you have to look years in advance and consider moves and draft picks and assets that are going to be useful down the road. While your main job as the coach is you have to win now to keep your job. It's two totally different philosophies, so I don't see how one person could do both jobs. Yeah, it just doesn't – it seems like a lot of work to really, like, to really, like, succeed because he's really been – he builds his – on one hand, you can build your team to what you want it to be, but if you what you want it to be is not, is like kind of stuck in the past. It's not it's, good. <laughs> yes, if it's not good, then you're kind of done, because his off-season moves have been terrible. He's never been able to really shore up the versatility in wings or athleticism anywhere. Yeah. And he's really been, as as a coach, he's made puzzling moves. He's been. Uh, keeping Austin Rivers in Austin, he played him way too much. Yeah, especially earlier in his career. That whole this dynamic year, he, this, year he turn, this year he kind of turned into a good player, but the first couple of years he was not ready to go out, and I think that that was part of the nepotism thing. And well, I, I just wouldn't. Yeah, it, maybe I don't know. I Austin just think the, the the Clippers don't have anyone else. Was the problem? Yeah, and the other problem is they have a lot of guys where you can't play them late in games. Ray Felton. Like, DeAndre Jordan, Bob Butte, those guys can't score. You can't have them out there at the end of games. Yeah, especially especially DeAndre. And I mean, DeAndre is so important, happened. too, because that defense is not, not where it should be without him. Because <laughs> Blake Griffin should be better on defense for his athleticism, and he should be he's, better, he's but he's not just good. not. Yeah. And that's a big problem for them that I don't think they've really, like, I don't think they've really addressed is getting guys who can say late in games but also be good, de- good, good defenders, like 3 and D guy. Because Bamute and, De- and DeAndre really fit the D part, but they have no offensive game whatsoever. And that's kind of hurt them late in games when they can't have their best rim protector and best wing defender out there because they get into foul trouble. They can just get exploited. So the Clippers will be an interesting team to watch this offseason. Um, I'm kind of rooting for a complete blow-up, but we'll see how that goes. just depends on how those free agents decide. But uh, back to the series. Uh 
Rockets and Spurs, we both decided the Spurs, right? Mm-hmm. And then, obviously, we're both going to take the Warriors. Yeah. You want to talk about that at all? Warriors, Jazz? No, it's pretty... It's written. The book's written on it. They look, they look like they're having fun, though. Yeah, the Warriors look good. Um, yeah. Then no one's going to beat them. What's that? No one's... The Cavs aren't going to beat them. Let's be real. Why not? They're too good. It doesn't matter how far... It doesn't matter, like, what the score is. They can always come back and just destroy you. Always? They did last night against the Jazz. Who was the better team last year? Better team last year? Yeah. It was the, the Warriors. Yeah. But the, the Warriors didn't have Durant last year. The, the Cavs have the best player, and that is but they the have the equalizer. Okay, if you were going to rank the top seven guys. I don't care. Top seven guys. The Cavs have the best put? player. He's the okay. best player on the planet. He's the best player on the planet, but the Warriors have like four clearly, the, clearly the Warriors 20. have the better team. Clearly, yeah. yeah. But it, I always when I'm looking at a series, I always look at who has the best player, and that always gives that team an advantage. They have an advantage, but that advantage is destroyed when the, you're also facing two times. It's the like, same story as last you're year. You're facing a team with like three MVPs in their prime. It's the same. MVPs in their prime. Same story as last year. I'd probably I'd probably pick the Warriors, but I would definitely pick the Warriors. Uh, I wouldn't be so sure as to say there's no chance the Cavs win. I I don't think they win. I, I just don't think they win the You think there's no chance that the Cavs win? Or you just don't think they'll win? I don't want to say no chance again. Good. After that Oregon thing. Yeah, that's good. That's okay, let, let's move on to Washington-Boston, because that's a really fun series right now. <laughs> Especially Kelly, with just Kelly Oubre. Smashing Kelly Olenek, who, by the way, looks like uh, that guy from Game of Thrones, Reek. Um... <laughs> We'll take a look at the like a side by side comparison so of those stupid. two guys if ever get a chance. I don't know why he grew his hair out. It's like the weird. He's got some weird beard thing going too. Yeah, he just a t- and I don't like him as a player either. He just Myers Leonard, but worse. Yeah, the, the Celtics have a lot of guys. I call them bleh guys. Bleh. That they're they're just like they're okay at one skill. Normally it's defense when you look at. You know Marcus Smart and um, James John Amir Johnson, not James Johnson. Um, you know Avery Bradley's pretty good on offense. Pretty good, but he's just he's, he's not, a really good defender. He's not number two, number two guy on offense. Yeah, neither is Horford. They don't really have number two creator. They have a lot of guys that are. Uh, I don't. I don't see how they can win a championship with a core like that. I don't think they can. I, I think they have to really consolidate and then. With yeah, the just like the Nuggets. The Celtics and Nuggets are so similar, at least I think. But I think the Nuggets have more pieces that are going to be like have the potential have to be that. great yeah, they players. They have more potential. But the Celtics have this pick so coming many up. Role, they have so many role players. It's yeah. ridiculous. But you're right. They need to consolidate they some definitely of those need to guys. Consolidate. I, they, we've been saying that for years. And they, I don't think Ainge is going to do it. I think he's going to draft Markel or, Joe, or Josh Jackson, and then he's just going to grow them up, grow them for two years, and then just play them with Isaiah and see how that works. But I don't know. if I would definitely take – would you take Jimmy Butler or Markel Fultz right now? Markel Fultz. Really? Why? Yeah. What? What? Marco Fultz is going to be. He will. He's going to be James. Harden. He's still a draft prospect. He's still a prospect. Mm, I don't think Jimmy Butler really fits with the Celtics. I don't know. They did. They need another creator. That's Fultz. <laughs> okay, we're going to talk more about Fultz later in the pod, but I think that starting a new segment today. Yeah. Next on the draft. Can't wait for that. I think that it's just been, like, I think it's been more exploited in this series how they really don't have another creator because the, the Celtics had no business winning game two Ubre and Wal- not Ubre 
Beal and Wall both missed shots. And Wall, that, Wall yeah. took a terrible shot, but Beal also completely missed a wide-open 11-footer. Wall gets... It looks like he's... Well, John Wall is really good. It looks like he gets, he was at least tired at the end of each of oh, these games. Oh, he's exhausted. And oh, he's, he's just de- taking pull-up he shots. Definitely, he no definitely one can, a, no but, one can guard him when he goes to the rim. Well, he definitely is tired, but because the Washington bench is awful. Yeah. I mean, Bo- Boyan, Ubre, and yeah. a couple of and e- Brandon e- Jennings. Mahimi, Jennings, Jason Smith. It's not good. It's not good. No, <laughs> you can't win a playoff series like that. I think that they really, they need to do something about their bench in the off season because they have a their starting five is uh, like top five, but their de- their bench is just not there yet. Let's talk about that. Uh, I guess you could call it a skirmish. <laughs> it wasn't really it wasn't really a brawl. Yeah, kerf- kerfuffle. kerfuffle. Um, <laughs> I love those things. I think it's annoying that Ubre got suspended. I mean, I understand it, but yeah, come on, it's the playoffs. These guys don't like each other. Why do you need to suspend people? Also, Olenek has been a known like he's known as he's being a dirty player. He yeah. the Kevin Love <clears throat> thing a couple years ago <clears throat> when he dislocated his shoulder, and he's always been like a dirtier kind of player. And when he set that screen, you could see he raised his arms, hit him in the head a little bit. Yeah, I, I and think then Olenek, Ubre comes over and Olenek flops when Ubre. Yeah. Attacks him. He didn't even hit Olenek dead on. Like there was a ref in between them. There's no reason yeah. Olenek should have felt should have fallen like that. That was I guess ridiculous. That's probably the reason was the ref was there. Yeah, and that's what contact. I was thinking too. It's just the, the ref. But honestly, it just wouldn't it be more fun if you see these two guys on the court the next game instead of seeing Ubre suspended? Yeah, I and think that would be better TV. This is such a fun that. rivalry too because they hate each other. Remember the funeral game earlier in the yeah. year? Yeah, but I, I don't know quite why they hate each other like I don't know if there's bad blood between some guys there but I don't remember there ever being like before the season this much this much hatred between those teams playoff series will do that to teams though but even before like the regular season with the funeral game there's it was weird well Boston and Washington are kind of close to each other I guess I guess but it's really fun though I love it Isaiah Thomas with a legendary performance 53 points yeah he had like thirty something in the fourth quarter in overtime. He's overtime. such a great fourth quarter player. I would I would rely on him more than anyone in the league in the fourth quarter, except for maybe LeBron. We were texting back and forth during that fourth quarter because we had argued that um, you had said John Wall could shut down Kyrie Irving, and I laughed. He pretty, has the I'm pretty heavily. He has the tools to shut him down, and no one's arguing that. But it's impossible in the NBA today for one person to shut down another person. I get with. Team concepts and everything, I guess. Yeah, but it's the still... switches and the foul calls. There's no such thing as like a true lockdown defender because you can't put your hands on Kawhi. anyone. Kawhi. He, even he's not truly. He's great, but he's not a lockdown defender. Yes, he is. He's not. James, you know, there's no such thing James as a lockdown Harden defender. James Harden shot over five when Kawhi was guarding him, and he's had two turnovers. He's the closest thing Whole to series. a lockdown. He's the he's closest scored... thing to a lockdown defender. Oh, my God. He's the closest thing you can get. I, I think Robertson might be up there too. Yeah. I just hate Robertson as a player. You just can't shoot. Yeah. Uh, you but I mean, with the switches and the fouls, Kyrie's going to get his. And you saw. I mean, Kyrie's up. He's going to get his. But I'm Thomas just saying. dropped fifty three, and it was all. It wasn't even on wall because they just switched for some reason the whole series. Yeah, and the I don't know what Scott Brooks is doing about <laughs> about Isaiah because they had to play Isaiah, and he's he hasn't been exploiting him at all. He, in game one or two, he tried uh, an auto post-up, and autos have like three post-ups all year. Yeah. That's not the way you want to exploit them. I was thinking they, 
they can take him off screens for they can take Otto off screens and just force Isaiah to come play him because Otto is a great three point shooter this year, and Isaiah is an awful defender. He's one of been one of the worst in NBA history, and I think that if they're if Washington has a chance in this series, it's going to be because you're going to force Brad Stevens in, into some tough decisions about where to hide Isaiah, and they just haven't done that yet. How is Otto off the dribble? Is he any good? I never really see him. No. take anyone. To He's not really. He's a little overrated on offense, in my opinion, because he, he's been he's never been like this high with like this good of a three point shooter, and it's a little suspicious. I think he's perfect me. for the Nuggets. I think he. That, that's a debate for another day. It's, it's a debate for another what? day. Where he's, I have a lot of opinions. Wait, on you that. in a rush or something? Like we have to. No. Oh, you want to do that right now? I can talk about how Otto shouldn't be a max player. <laughs> he shouldn't be a max. He player? shouldn't be a max player. Why? Because since it also since this year's All Star break, you know how much he, he shot from three, thirty four percent. It's been like a three month slump. It's not a slump if it's that long. I think that he was. I think it, he was just on a crazy hot streak, and he this wasn't the new normal. This, he's a good defender. He's a decent defender when he wants to be. I just don't think he's worth max. He's gonna get a max. I don't think he's worth it though. He would be perfect on the Nuggets. My goodness. He would not be perfect on the Nuggets. Are you kidding me? He could just sit in the corners all day and drain threes. And he could play defense, unlike Gallo and whoever they play at the four. Wilson? No, they play like Freed sometimes. Wilson's a good defender. I like Wilson. He just looks so disgruntled out there. Like I go back, I go back. Hey, Wilson? And wa- yeah, I go back and watch Jokic highlights and uh, Nuggets highlights, and I'm watching Chandler, and he just looks so out of it. And he said earlier in the year how he wants to be a starter, and he wasn't really happy with his position and his role. <laughs> I think that's sort of, if he doesn't want to be here, we don't need Complainer. him here. Yeah, we can go get someone else. Can you see that they're building something pretty special here? I don't think I don't think he cares. And then Will Barton, pretty sure he's going to be traded. Thank the Lord, he's awful. We're coming into a, create a really important offseason for the Nuggets here. Connolly has some sh- work to do. We should talk about. Uh, we should have a full podcast about that because that's going to be fun. That's going to be a crazy offseason. Um, we want to move on to. Uh, have we covered all the playoff series? Besides so Raptors, about, Cleveland. You want to talk? What's this brush on Cleveland? I, it's. I think. I think it's less about Cleveland that we're going to talk about. I think it's more about Toronto and like what their next moves are because they're not gonna. They're gonna get swept, and those moves they made in the offseason for Tucker and Ibaka aren't working. I've. I've always been the fan. I've always been of the camp that Casey is a Casey is a great defensive coach, but he's not good on offense, and that team is still stuck stuck in the nineties on offense. It's like halftime. It took like five threes in the last game, and that's not acceptable for 2017. Do you think DeRozan should shoot more threes? I don't think he can. He's never shown like. What's the, his percentage? I mean, he doesn't like shoot a lot. Twenty-seven. Twenty-seven percent. Yeah, he has the mechanics to shoot from three. I just don't think he cares or works in the offseason on it. Well, that's, that's a like pretty a, big leap there. You don't think he cares? I don't think he, he's like 27, 28, and he still hasn't developed a three point shot. It's not like he's a bad shooter. I think he just doesn't care about a three point <laughs> shot. Taking shot, personal shots at players. Well, wow. I mean, that team is still stuck in the 90s. If you watch that team, it's, it's mostly. It's, it's, giving it to Ky- it's giving it to Kyle and DeRozan and telling them it's to go do something. The complete opposite of what the Antonio's doing in Houston. Yeah. It's I mean, pretty bad. Do you see that they've only scored like 10 points in the mid range for an entire series? Yeah, that's how it should uh, be. And it's a, any it's advanced stat yeah, will tell you that. But if you know what's weird is I've been also following like the Spurs shooting charts because um, they they take so many mid range shots that are open and there's I think that they just they 
Pop is so smart. Like he's finding ways to make still make them effective, even in like find underutilized zones and underutilized players. And I think that's like that that might carry over. It's just been like crazy to see that while the while the league has been shooting a ton of threes, they've let they led the league in mid range shots and still was top three effective field goal percentage, which just speaks volumes about who Pop is as a coach. I want to talk about for a sec uh, a discussion we've had a few other times. Um, since Steve Kerr's been out, um, do you still think he's the second best coach in the league, even though the Warriors have pretty much steamrolled their way through the playoffs? Yes. It's mostly because of what he brought to the Warriors before everything, before the, before the titles, before the, before the 2014 season when they really came on. When he, made the, he had that system of ball movement and threes. And it's, you can win really easily when you have four of the top 20 players in the league. Mm-hmm. And Mike Brown still was a he still was an NBA coach. He still won like 350 games. He still he still has that pedigree, I think. But I mean, coaching the NBA still doesn't matter a ton unless you're an elite coach like Pop or okay. Carlisle. Put let's imagine for a sec that you put Steve Kerr as the coach of the Nuggets for this upcoming season, and then you put like Spolster or Stevens as the coach of the Nuggets for the next year. Who has the most wins? That's tough. It's tough. I don't think it's Spol- it might be Spolstra. I would pick Spolstra. I, I would pick Spolstra because of the because of the systems he's had in the past with ball movement and cutting, which is just the Nuggets. It looks like it's gonna be the Nuggets DNA for the next for for the foreseeable future. It looks like that's where they're gonna go, and I think he would really I guess use LeBron. He would really use Jokic as a more for. Passing hub. My point is Steve Kerr went to the perfect situation for his style. That's good. There's no denying that he's doing a good job. But, I mean, the chips have fallen pretty nicely for Steve Kerr to end up where he is. So I think it's hard to judge him as as an overall coach this early into his tenure. I I don't think we'll be able to judge him until, like, five years from now when Curry starts to decline. And Clay starts to decline. And everyone on that team starts to decline a little bit more. And we can see who they become. But right now, the last like three years, I think he's been a top two, top three coach in the league. Um, That's fair, I guess. Yeah, uh, I want to move on to the Knicks because we we haven't talked about the Knicks on this podcast yet, and they have just been a complete sideshow. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, Phil Jackson. I don't. Know, he. I think he's kind of ruining his reputation. Oh, he destroyed it. He just, it, from everything, calling threes a cheap way to score for for Chris Stapps, to alienating Carmelo, to to the Oakley incident. I think he just handled that team so poorly. I, I don't think he should be a coach. He should be anywhere near basketball anymore. I mean, he's getting paid an incredible amount of money, um, and you don't see what their like what their plan is. You know, they, they don't, don't have a they plan. don't have a plan. There's no direction, and you hear rumblings about Chris Stapps. And if I was Chris Stapps, I would want to get the heck out of there as soon as I think he does. He's so he he's already seeing how this is a terrible situation, and I joked about this on the Twitter on the ARBT Twitter last night, uh, which you should go follow by the way, (laughs) which is uh, (laughs) keep plugging every episode. But I tweeted that he jokingly that he would that. Phil Jackson would trade Chris Stapps for Diamond Stone on the Clippers so we could have a true post player or something like that. <laughs> gotta keep gotta the triangle keep the, system. Gotta keep the triangle system there. <laughs> it's all about the system. Oh, my That's God. Funny. 
I can't imagine how terrible it must be to be at Nick right now. And they're they're forming open rebellions, according to Woj, um, against the Triangle. And it's never a good thing when you're forming open rebellions and all your players, and you paid $70 million to a guy who shoots 31% from the free throw line. Yeah. It, it's just there's a total mess. I don't see... They have... They have... I want them to get Nidal Aquina out of Germany this or I know France this year, but I just don't think that. Well, he's from Germany. He plays in Germany. He's from France. Okay. And I think that um, like Chris Apps and Nidal Aquina would be really fun. But then I remember it's on the Knicks, and they they trade all both those guys for like Al Jefferson or some stupid thing like that because Phil just refuses to let go of the nineties. Did you see that picture of Chris Apps with Neymar? And no. they swapped they swapped the Chris Tapps jersey for a Neymar jersey, and Neymar's like five foot seven or something. And he's holding this giant Chris Tapps jersey, and Neymar gave Chris Tapps a Neymar uh, Barcelona jersey, and it looks like it would go down to his belly. It's just like the shortest thing ever. They got him mixed up, or the sizes mixed up, or something. It's hilarious. Speaking no, of soccer so for a sec, uh, no, no, the Arsenal no, no. gets a two nothing win Stop. over Manchester United. It's not this a morning. soccer podcast. I don't Man. know anything about soccer. That was a beautiful game this morning. Okay, stop, stop, stop. Jacka and uh, that guy, Danny Welbeck, with the goals. Oh, my God. All right. Okay, back to Chris Stapps. Back to Chris Stapps for a second. I think they're going to – I think the Knicks are going to misuse him so poorly. He's just going to be a ruined player. What are the chances that they actually trade him? I'd say it's like 5%, 10%. No, it's higher. It's higher. Hmm... It depends on what they do, what Dolan does with uh, Phil Jackson. Phil's staying. He's he's not going anywhere. Then they're going to trade him. They I are. Think, I think they are. You think they are? I just think there's like. I think that Phil Jackson is so just stuck in this thing where he loves the triangle so much that if anyone doesn't fit it, then he's just going to get rid of him. I don't think he cares. I don't think he sees what Chris Sapps really can be and what really Chris Sapps really is, and I think that that. That's really going to ruin the Knicks. Garris wants you on a first for Chris Tapps. I would take it in a heartbeat. Yeah. We, we were talking about, uh, we were texting about trades last night, and that one's a good one, but I also think Moutier instead of Garris. I mean, yeah, if you could get Moutier, Wancho on a first, and throw in like Malik Beasley or something. Oh, I like Malik, but I like Chris yeah, Tapps. Yeah, it's Chris Tapps. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the worry for me, I mean, any trade... I read an article from Adam Mares. He said any trade for Chris Stapps with the Nuggets would probably have to involve Jamal Murray, and uh, I'd have a hard time with that. I wouldn't be opposed to it, but I mean Jamal Murray. I think uh, having a really good point guard who can score—that's what you need. Really valuable. Yeah, Murray can be that guy. And I think there might be injury concerns to Chris Stapps down the road. Uh, he's so tall. He's a seven-footer who's athletic and jumps and protects the rim a lot. There's got to be concerns with his knees. But I, I think even with the con- if, even with the concerns with his knees, I, I think his game is he still has a high floor without his athleticism because his game is built. It's built around like he still he'll still have his handles and he'll still have the three-pointer, which kind of makes him still super valuable and he's still super long. And so the rim protection, even though he might not be as mobile, it's still there. I, it, the floor is super high with his, him. His defense would be so good next to Jokic. Oh, yeah. How fun would Kristaps and Jokic front court be? That'd be really oh, great. Oh, my goodness. That'd be awesome. You could turn Przingis into, a, into an off, kind of an off-ball player. Do Kristaps and Jokic like each other? No. I, I got the sense that they didn't in the few times that 
I think they're both just super competitive. Yeah. They played together. They played against each other in the 2014 Hoop Summit with Moutier. And they went up against each other in the Skills Challenge this year. I didn't like. They didn't have fun. They didn't have fun. Skill Challenge. If he was, he screwed up the pass. That was, which was the weirdest <laughs> part. It looked like he didn't know how to pass. Pass. He can pass to anyone and on any support point in the court, but he's looking at hit a little. It looked like he was trying to aim it in there. It looked really ugly. <laughs> That's funny. All right, skill challenge is not something we should talk about. <laughs> okay, um, we want to talk about the Knicks anymore. It's just a little really depressing to talk about the New York Knicks. Um, I don't really want to talk about it. I mean, I, I think, I hope that this Kristaps thing drags on in the offseason because that would make the offseason so much more fun. Yeah, with especially with more of a chalk offseason. Because yeah. I think it's going to be that. It's not going to be anything interesting this offseason. Gordon Hayward and Millsap and Hayward the Clippers. Kyle Lowry, isn't he a free agent too? I think so. But mm-hmm. I think he's, he, they're at Toronto's going to sign him. I think it's the same situation with the Clippers. They were so bad before that kind of – it's going to be difficult for Masai to let go of Lowry. Teams have to decide if they're okay with being the third or fourth seed and losing in the playoffs every year or if they want to blow it up. And rebuild and try and actually compete for championships. That's what the Nuggets did. The they, Ra- yeah. they were perennial eight, seven seeds that lost in the playoffs every year. And now they blew it up and it set them back for a while, and now they're building back up again. And I, I think that it took a long be- time, but this, they're this doing team is it finally. set to be better than those teams were because we have a we're, we have an actual potential superstar right now. We have a, we have a lot of developing young guys who might turn into really good players down the line. I think that that's going to be fun to see is all the development. But I think the team's best suited to blow it up at the at the three three and four seeds are the Clippers and the Raptors. Not the Clippers, the Celtics and the Raptors. Like if they want to blow it up, I think they can pretty easily. Uh, I, I I have the sense that Boston doesn't want to let go of Isaiah after this year. But why would they want to let go of Isaiah? Because he's twenty nine and he's a really small point guard. They're not going to let his, go his, of his Isaiah. He's built on quickness. I I just. I don't like him. Would you want to pay him as a 34-year-old point guard? No, but he's not, thir- he's not 34. But he will be with a super, with a super max he'll be eligible for. They're not gonna let, there's no way they would let go of Isaiah. That would be dumb. I just don't like that contract down the road. Uh, there are a lot of other things that go into that, but they have a lot of role players that can package and consolidate. They have the top, they have a high lottery pick this year. They they ha- they're just in a really good, good position to blow it up, but I think also the Raptors are in good position because they have Norm Powell, they have Siakam and Pirtle, and Masai's always been known for kind of he's been build he builds winners, but he also keeps young guys on the side just in case as like a fail safe, and I think that that they're in really good good position to blow it up if they want to. Masai Ujiri, eh, he Masai's he good. left kind of a mess in Denver and just bolted to Toronto. Well, they they fired him. No, they didn't. And he, he, they like they did. They like didn't. He just let his contract up, I think, and no. just left. I it was I, it was a he's mess. He's still a really he good left. GM though. He makes a lot of good moves. I like Tim Connolly better. I, I, Connolly's I think a good GM. Yeah, smart guy. Okay, let's move on to. Um, let's do our draft. Yeah, our draft segment. Uh, this is a new segment. We're gonna call it the, I think prospect watch maybe. So your thing, pro- yeah. So I I came up with a segment called Prospect Watch where you just evaluate. <laughs> Tooting no, your sorry. own horn. My sorry, I'm sorry. Okay, so <laughs> this we, is my segment. Well, did you come up with it? 
So basically, the segment is just focusing on one draft prospect every po- podcast for like uh, maybe five to 10, 15 minutes. Um, and just going over his strengths, his weaknesses, and what we think he'll do in the NBA. And um, this week, I think we were either going to talk about maybe the top, top pick and potential top pick of Markel or a guy at the end of the lottery, maybe in no, Patton do, or uh, Collins. Let's do Fultz. Okay, let's do Fultz. So uh, my strengths, so what I think about Markel is he's such a pure scorer, and he can score in so many different ways. He's a three-level scorer. His pull-up jumper is deadly. He can get to the rim. His handles are amazing. He's really long, and he's like just so athletic. And he can actually he can set up his teammates pretty well. He averaged like seven assists a game this year for a bad Washington team. I think that his weaknesses are minimal. It's mostly just paying attention on defense. Maybe his te- he kind of looks careless out there on offense sometimes. But well, it's at Washington. I mean, yeah, it's on Washington. And I hated Lorenzo. I hated uh, Romar there. He always played two traditional big men around Markel, and Markel's lo- spacing was so clogged. It's a miracle he scored twenty four a game in the Pac twelve. Yeah, and I think that his outlook. I think he'll be. He has super. He, I think he's a lo- almost a lock to be an all star. I mean, you can't you can't really say that about any draft prospects until they get in the league. But he is the most he's the most surefire superstar prospect in this draft outside of maybe. Jackson or Ball? Whoa, you think Lonzo Ball's going to be a superstar, huh? I begrudgingly Say think it. that he might be. Say it. If he lands on the right team, he could be. Okay. <laughs> and uh, if you haven't followed the podcast, we, there's a lot of tension with between me and Kyle around <laughs> Lonzo. And our well, we got a Lonzo Ball hater opinions. over here. I don't hate him. I just don't think he he needs he needs more to succeed than Markel does. That's fine. That doesn't mean anything. Markel Fultz is a freak. All right. So what, what's, what do you think about Markel? Um, you know, when I watch him, I can't help but think James Harden. Me too. That's the same vibe I got from him. It's the same body type. Um, he's more explosive, though. Fultz can get to the rim. He's more. He's longer and more explosive, too. He needs to work on his shot a little bit. But it's I not think, as consistent. I don't think any. I don't think Lonzo is, is there either. I don't think any of the top guys, their shots are really well, there. I'm not well, comparing him. I mean, Lonzo's shot is okay. It's just different. I think. Yeah, I think that the 65 percent from the free from the free throw line for both of them is more indicative of how good shooters they are than the 41, 41, 43 percent from three. But I mean, when you look at these prospects, you can't look at like one little thing that they do wrong. No. And, knock it against them. None of these guys are going to be perfect. I mean, no player the, is. the thing that he's going to need to work on is being a more consistent outside shooter because if he develops that, then, then he's unstoppable. You can't guard him. Especially in NBA spacing when he's not when the lanes are like everyone in the paint and just begging him, and just daring him to go into the paint. So if the Celtics win the first pick, um, I'm not sure how he would fit on that team with I, I Thomas and Avery Bradley and Marcus Smart. I don't think you Josh could. Jackson would for sure, and we'll talk Jackson about him fit anywhere. later. Um, but I, I think the the strategy with the first pick is always pick the best player. Yeah, and I mean, there's no real clear best player in this draft. Though. I think Fultz is Fultz. clearly the best player. Okay, there. I have a little love affair with Fultz. I, I love Fultz. So I love Fultz too. I've been watching so much tape on him the last couple days. Yeah, so good. So we'll we'll see how that goes. The lottery is next Tuesday. Yeah, I think. I think so. Nugget's gonna win the first pick. Okay, um, guaranteed. This is something we were throwing around last night. Um, 
Would you? Who would you take first if you were the Nuggets? If you got the first pick and you were the Nuggets, <laughs> who would you take first? You know, last night I think I told you Josh Jackson, but um, I don't. I wouldn't hate either one. I guess Josh Jackson's better for what they need because he'd be but, perfect with the three on defense. But you need a point guard. I, I think that's they, the, that's think, another discussion. Point guard. What position is Jamal Murray going to play, Shooter. and is he going to start next year? Oh, that's a that's a tough. Because they have Gary Harris too. It, it all depends on this offseason and what happens. Because they have a lot of moving pieces. But I think, do you think that the Nuggets view him as a point guard or as a two guard? Yeah, he was a point guard coming into college. Okay, he was always viewed as a point. Need, do they need a point guard then? We don't know if we don't know what Jamal is going to be. And watch out for Emmanuel Mudiay starting next year. I think oh. I think he is he's realized now what his weaknesses are. He's going to work on them this offseason. He's, he's oh, finally healthy. You hear that with every guy. He's finally healthy. He's going to develop his game. He was handed everything all throughout his basketball career. He was always the most athletic, the best player on the floor. And then he gets to the NBA, and he realizes that his efficiencies are real. And it's taken him a while to realize that, I think. Yeah. I, I just I liked what I heard in his exit interview of the, at the end of the season. What did he say? Where he's, he said that he's been handed everything in his career, and he needs he realizes what he needs to work on. That's good. I like that. And he looked good at the end of the year. He looked really good when he finally gave back Malone's trust, and he was coming off the bench, and he looked decent. But he, he has those moments where you can see that three-point shot starts to click, and he just looks unstoppable out there. He gets all those – he get, like shoots three threes in a row, and they all go in, and you get to see this is the guy we drafted. And, and if he can get that more consistent and just get his three to maybe like 35 to 37%, then he's just – see that's where he needs to be. But the interesting thing is if he improves to the point where he's a starting point guard, like then what do you do? Do you bring Jamal off the bench all year? Because you, uh, you, you got Gary Harris. You got Gary. I, and you got Malik Beasley who needs time, and hopefully they get rid of Will Barton. So don't have to worry about there's that There's a guy. lot of guys. There's a lot of – I, we either need to consolidate or we can just settle for being one of the deepest teams in the league. Gary Harris, I love him, but if you could tr- flip him and a few other prospects for in a first for Chris Stapps. I, I don't know what Gary's ceiling intriguing. is. Intriguing. I don't know what Gary's ceiling is. I, I know Jamal is at least, is his ceiling is all-star. Gary Harris has gotten so much better every year he's I know, been in the league. but I don't he's know how much better he can get. That's I, what he's I, I, a really good scorer. He's okay. He's okay on defense. He's, he looks he good on defense because everyone tries, else on the team is bad on defense. He tries so hard on defense. But I, I think that he gets more – I think that people say he's not a good defender, but that's because he has to cover up for Moutier yeah, that's what or I'm saying. Jamal or yeah. anyone else who's out there. Like Avery Bradley is a great defender, but he has to cover for Isaiah. When he's, he, has, he has to cover for Isaiah when he's out there, and it's just so difficult for him. I think that's part of the thing. I, I think Gary's ceiling is Avery Bradley. I think or a little be bit, a little bit better than Avery Bradley, but that's who his archetype. I think be. his ceiling is Bradley Beal. Beal, yeah, I think that's my choice. He's better on defense than Beal. He's not as good on offense though, but he's getting there. Well, no one, yeah, he's a Beal's a great shooter. I've, I think Beal is going to turn into a. a Beal should have been an All Star this year. He got he got slumped so hard with he's that Carmelo good. thing. He's very good. Um. So yeah, that's our thing on Fultz. Again, that's our yeah, that's our big. Uh, breakdown of Fultz. Um, we like him. That's yeah, we really much love the summary. And the draft is really where this podcast is going to get to a higher level. Because <laughs> Kyle and I follow the drafts really, really closely. We should do here. a live podcast during the draft. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, that'd be fun. <laughs> um, I think 
who who's your top who are your top five picks for the drafts? Like if you were if you were making a magic whiteboard, a white hmm. who are your top five guys? Um, well, in no order because I haven't really thought about that. It's kind of on the spot question. But my top five favorite prospects are Fultz and Ball and Tatum and Jackson and. That's where it gets dicey. Maybe Dennis Smith. I was thinking Isaac at that spot. He's such a good mm. defender. Yeah. I mean, if you say yeah. Isaac, that's fine. I, I I have the same guys, except maybe instead of Smith, like... Uh, I Isaac. actually go De'Aaron Fox. That's my fifth Fox, guy. Fox, yeah. I forgot about him. Not Malik Monk, for sure, for He's me. He's such a freak athletically. I like De'Aaron Fox. Okay, if you... We're going to get into more of the and one update here with the Nuggets breakdown and Nuggets stuff. And so... Uh, and it, it, this is the M1 update now. And we're in the M1 update we're, we're right now. We're in the M1 update right now. Like right now? I just announced it. <laughs> Do a better job announcing it. Okay, this is, so now we're going to get in the M1 update for this week. <laughs> wow, thanks for that. Okay, okay. Um, so you're the Nuggets this offseason. And you want to sit in. Who's on your whiteboard from earlier in the year with uh, the magic thing where they released that w- picture of the stupid whiteboard? And then all those names on it. Who who's on your whiteboard? Um, free agent wise, I'd say Paul Millsap. Realistically, realistically, yeah, I, mean, I like that. He's a good defender. Pipe dream is you trade for Chris Stapps or you get Gordon Hayward somehow. Oh, Gordon would be so scary. <laughs> Gordon Hayward, my I goodness. Just, I don't think you'd come here. He was um, I'm not really interested in like we, the, we definitely need defense, but I'm not interested in any of these guys that get brought up. I mean, Joe Ingles is my other guy that I want. Ingles is nice. Uh, but, I mean, you get we get linked with, you know, P.J. Tucker and Michael Green. I like those guys. Ugh, they're bluff. But you can find another version of those guys in the draft. Yes, that's the that. point. You don't want to pay someone who can only play defense, give them a four-year, $65 million contract. You could, yeah, you can easily find Kim Oliver, looks like a Michael Green type of guy in the draft. I think you could find him. Uh, you can, Who else is on your whiteboard? Well, Millsap and Jiggles are my guys. Millsap and Jiggles, those are the only guys from your whiteboard this year? Yeah. What about uh, Caldwell Pope? No. No, no Caldwell Pope? He's going to no. stay in Detroit. I, th- I don't think he wants to be there. It doesn't matter I if he wants be. to be there. Okay, can they just, is he restricted or is he unrestricted? He's going to match anything for okay. contagious. Um, my whiteboard is, I think, Millsap. I would say George Hill. I like George no. Hill. Why? They are, the Nuggets have enough guards. But they don't have a veteran guard. I don't care. They have Gary Harris. He's this is like his fourth year. He's not a veteran. He's like 23. George Hill is going to get a max. Yeah. He, and yeah, do you want to give George Hill a max? No. Okay. No. Okay. Well, you got me there. <laughs> I would give I would give George Hill like 20 mil. Ugh. It, it, I'm just they have too many players. You know, like I don't want more guys. I would definitely release like. I would definitely not pick up the option or not not keep Chandler and Gallo if we got Millsap. I would definitely release them in a heartbeat. Well, they have Chandler. I mean, they'd have to cut him or trade him. Uh, and Gallo, I mean, Conley has talked about that it's a priority for them to re-sign Gallo. Oh, Gallo said he's going to opt out, though. Well, yeah, but to re-sign to a one-term deal. Oh. I don't know about that, though. We'll see. That'll be interesting. He's been here I mean, of so course long. they'll say keep Gallo happy if they want to re-sign him, but we'll see how that one goes. I don't think they will. I, I, would, I wouldn't want to. Millsap is perfect, though, with Yoke. He moves well, plays a short corner. He's a better version of Fareed. 
Better version of Fareed. What are you talking about? What? He's a better, he could, better on offense than Fareed. Anyone's better on offense than Fareed. That's what I'm talking about. Okay, I thought you said... It, when you say better version, I think you're... It I mean, sounds like coming, you're saying like they play the same no, game. I mean, coming from the short Sox corner. Better. Fareed playing the short corner in Collins' offense is what I mean. Oh, yeah. yeah or in bad. Malone's, Malone's offense. offense, not Collins. I think Malone's been doing last two years. He's fine. He, he's improved the team. Yeah, okay. He he needs the... It took him too long to figure out Yoke. Yeah. It took him way too long to figure out that Yoke situation. It's true. For me. And, I mean, <laughs> he doesn't have the players on defense to fairly judge him, but they're going to get defensive players this offseason, and then he's going to have to show that his system works. I hope that... Because the system has been really frustrating for me to watch on defense. I think he just has to have the players. I mean, when you don't have the players, it's That's just fair. hard. That's fine. But he's he going to get, get the players this offseason, and then it needs to I be better. Um, I hope Conley doesn't max out Robertson, because I, I cannot stand watching Robertson. Airball threes. That's going to be go a 17 for a whole series from the free throw line. I can't watch it. I think that's a very real possibility. Oh, and I don't... That's ugly. Yeah. Do you I, like Robertson on offense? No. What? <laughs> okay. I don't even... Ugh. Do you like him on defense? He's a good defender. He's just but he's a black he's a black guy and he's gonna get paid out the at the butt. <laughs> okay, um, what are your big stories this week for the we're still in the M one? Uh, you know Kevin Knox commits to Kentucky. That was big. Duke. That was big. I thought he was gonna go to China. Going to China? No. Yeah. Um. So I mean, Duke can still get Bamba. Bamba is so good. But I think Bamba might be going to Kentucky, too, and then they'll have, like, eight, five, they'll eight have the, five stars. They should just give the All-American game to Kentucky. Just tell them, get, make, like, one team team Kentucky. Um, I want to talk about Yoke for a sec. There's not really much up of an update with him, but I just hope that the one area he needs to improve is getting into better basketball shape. I, he and said I he hope, was going to. I hope he spends the time... Steve Hess will get if he goes to Steve Steve, Steve Hess every day he'll get into shape. Oh, yeah, Steve will get him into shape, but I just don't know how good a shape he can get into after the. We've talked about the Coke story before. Yeah. I, I don't. I just don't know what's possible for him because it's difficult to gain athleticism to a point where it's like significantly better. Like you can definitely you can definitely improve. Uh, and part of aspects, him getting healthier will help him improve to stay healthy. Yeah, and that's the biggest getting thing. Getting him healthy. Because he missed weird stretches of games when we were gaining ground. And then it was we just scary kinda, when you thought he tore his ACL. That was rough. I was, I, I, like my stomach dropped when I saw that play. It looked like he tore his ACL to me. And um, the problem with him was we would go through, we would get really close to Portland or we'd get really close, close to creating real separation between us and Portland. And he'd just get injured for like two or three games and that ground would be, that ground would be lost. It was a good season. It helped them. I mean, you heard Jokic after like the Portland game, and then after the season, say that they let the moment get to them in those games. Yeah, and that, that's just a sign of a young team. Yeah, they're, they're so young. That's but good. I, but they had those experiences. And I was pretty. I was crushed when Russell Westbrook just hit that crazy like forty footer to send the send the Nuggets packing again. And I would, but then I realized that we're not built. We weren't built to win this year. We were not. Malone, pro- I don't know if Malone went in the season thinking eight seed or anything close to that. And so um, I think that like it, it was a disappointing year at the end, but it definitely like it definitely was good for it was a really good development year. 
and it really showed what this team can be when we have the best we have Jokic as a starter. And that wraps it up for us this week, doesn't it? Yeah. You have anything well, else? I want to talk about the Lonzo shoe, but ugh. no, we can talk about that next week. The, all the balls. We can stuff. give it like give oh. an update on how many shoes they sold. I guess. And we can also uh, talk about him and the prospect and the prospect watch. Yeah, let's do that. All right, you ready to go? Yeah, uh, follow us on Twitter um, at KyleSchulte17 at whatever your thing at is. No, NOSC25 and, and at the ARBT podcast. Uh, leave a positive, leave a good review on iTunes. Subscribe to us. Follow, follow us anywhere. We're on most major sites. Um, you can find us anywhere to listen to podcasts. Yeah, thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Tell me how I'm getting home.